Welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we tell you weird stories about true crime, the paranormal, and conspiracy theories to provide you a weird distraction from your everyday life. I'm your host, Alex. And Christy. And this week we are back to paranormal, which is my jam, (laughs) Um, in a really, it's going to be a long one, so, well, we'll see, but if you are interested in paranormal stories that have become movies, you will be super down for this one, hopefully. Um, But before we kind of dive into that, I just want to shout out everyone that has listened, given us feedback, and um, continues to to listen. (laughs) Um, We are a work in progress. This is obviously our, well, this is episode six, but we're still learning. Um, We're still trying to figure out what's working, what's not working. And of course, we decided to do this amidst a global pandemic. So, you know, playing around with Skype and FaceTime and all that good stuff. has been a, a, a different a different challenge, if you will. So we do appreciate feedback, um, and we do appreciate everyone that kind of continues to listen to us, even though we have zero idea what we're doing. <laughs> and just having fun. And just having fun with it. Um, yeah, we got our drinks. We are locked away in our rooms. We are ready to talk creepy shit. But before we go to that, um, what is your reason for needing a distraction, Christy? Uh, my distraction this week is um, back to work this week. It's been a little busy. Up where I am is cottage country, and mm. no one's supposed to be here, but they are. It's making <laughs> me a little mad, so I need a distraction. Fair enough. And I'm finding it hard, too, because I know, like, I have a coworker who has a cottage, and she went up last, earlier this week, and part of me is like frig like I wish I had a cottage to go to but then I also know that they're getting more and more strict at least in Ontario about actually letting people at their cottage which is Mm -hmm. weird because it's private property technically right it all depends where you are like some is under like lease land some's under like town water there's different ideas of things but mainly it's the hospital thing like I know up here like knock on wood thank you we haven't been hit crazy hard but we just don't have the healthcare system to hold the people from the city that are coming up here. We just don't have this, right. the facility and the resources. Exactly. Yikes. So to kind of segue into that, now that the weather is getting warmer and we do have our cottage goers still going, we also have bugs. And a little tidbit, I fucking hate bugs um, with a passion. So we, so my, boyfriend and I moved into a house almost a year ago in June um, and I realized kind of right off the bat that we had an ant problem um, which I think I lost my mind trying to kill them all like to the point where I was out at like 10 p.m. one night like spraying ant killer outside and then started raining and I was like oh my gosh like this is a very pivotal moment in my life where you know I may not be as mentally attached as I would like to be (laughs) but um yeah so a couple days ago I went back out to the living room and I thought I did an okay job like I sealed the windows I put ant killer liquid traps traps. yeah yeah oh no they're back um Mm. but they're not the weird thing is they're dying by the time I find them so it's just a bunch of like ant carcasses yeah (laughs) which I don't like I still like living or dead I don't want you in my house like just get um that and I've noticed an abundance more like abundance more an abundance of spiders um in our house so like I think it was a week or two ago but there was a spider a day that I would find in the house and I so I don't like ants I don't like bugs but if there's one thing I hate it's those eight-legged disgusting horrible awful things that we call spiders i i hate them i hate them i loathe them um so yeah that's been fun so i've been trying to mix essential oils and try and do like the healthy way but then of course my mania kind of kicked in and was like oh no you need to go harder so i found this old ant killer which i mixed with essential oils and lysol i don't know where my mind was at and and I got some on my skin, so now in between my fingers, it's really dry. And then you need some lotion. 
<laughs> the ocean. So that's that's my reason for needing a distraction. I just don't like bugs. And it's it's getting into bug season. No, if anything, bugs are not your jam. And if you could, you would burn your house down with all the spiders. I, I threaten Tanner on a regular basis. I'm going to burn the house down. He doesn't take me seriously. But one of these days, he's going to come home. And it's just going to be ash. And we're like, well, there's a spider. And I didn't have any more bug spray. So sorry about it. Um, all right. So let's get into the story. Because I want to hear. Well, I'm going to be talking. so. But I want to tell the story of some spooky, ooky, ooky, gross, gross gross stuff. All right. So this story brings us to England, which is our first overseas story. We've been kind of bouncing around between Canada and the States, but now we're in England. Um, And this particular story is about the Enfield poltergeist, which Mm -hmm. if that doesn't ring a bell, it is the story that would make up the conjuring two. Oh, I know, I know. Um, Before I kind of get into the details, I thought it'd be kind of worthwhile um, for some of our listeners who might not know, what is the difference between a poltergeist and a ghost? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. I know, I looked at you like... I like them both, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, excuse me. um, Ghosts are essentially the spirit of someone who has passed away. Um, They obviously can be seen. They sometimes can speak, um, change room temperature, or bring a certain odor with their presence. So, excuse me, um, they're not, how do I put it, they're, they're not super invasive. Like, they can, but they're not, like, super in your face all the time, whereas a poltergeist is. <laughs> um, so, a poltergeist is essentially what's known as kind of an annoying ghost is what I'm going to coin it as. So the word in German uh, literally means noisy noisy ghost or noisy spirit. Um, They're able to disrupt an environment through making noise, move or throw around objects. Um, They can also be very physical where they can bite, pinch and further harass the living. They often feed off emotion, off of the emotions of the living. So essentially it's it's kind of like a kind of like a leech, but a leech that can move things around and can, you know, a leech that like the more fear you get, the happier they are. Exactly. So it feeds off of every emotion. So a lot of times, I, I well, I watch a lot of ghost shows, but a lot of times it's people who poltergeists seem to go to people who are depressed or. Um, you know, dealing with grief, people who are very angry, like it's all the negative emotions, which gives them kind of more quote unquote power. Mm-hmm. So essentially a poltergeist is a pissed off spirit who is more attached to a person than a location, whereas a ghost is more so attached to a location than a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So now that we've got that down, we are going to hop on our make-believe plane slash time machine. And head to 284 Green Street, located in Brinsdown, Enfield, uh, in London, England. And the time frame is between 1977 and 1979. So our last story, we were in the rad, not hippie movement yet, but we were in the 50s, which was kind of a weird time. Um, And now we're in the 70s, so... Pretty much 80s. Pretty much 80s. So the story specifically begins on August 30th, 1977. We are going to be chatting about the Hodgson family, which uh, includes single mother Peggy Hodgson and her four four children, Margaret, uh, who is the eldest, Janet, and their younger brothers, Johnny and Billy. One night, on the, sorry, not one night, on the, on the night of August 30th, uh, the family hears random knocking on the walls and Janet claims to her mother that her brother's bed was going all funny and was making movements. So Janet and I think Johnny shared a bedroom at this point in time, but I do think Janet and Margaret ended up sharing a bed for some reason. So that was on the 30th. Then we're going to jump to the 31st. Um, where Janet was in her bedroom, you know, she was sharing with Johnny, as mentioned. Um, sorry, my notes are all over the place. But um, <laughs> when they both heard faint whispering and what sounded to be a chair shuffling. So Janet and Johnny in their bedroom, 
all of a sudden they hear like really faint whispering and a chair in their bedroom was starting to shuffle. Peggy heard Johnny and Janet talking amongst themselves, probably went in annoyed as hell and told them to be quiet before moving the chair down to the living room. Just when Peggy thought the kids were finally asleep, she began hearing footsteps, which she felt was odd because there was no one else in the house and the kids were asleep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Following the footsteps, four loud knocks echoed to the home. Um, and knocks were pretty common in this home. We'll kind of get into it, but um, that was kind of one of the beginning things that the family would hear. She So Peggy then goes into Janet and Johnny's bedroom and saw an oak chest begin to shuffle so there's just this oak chest kind of sitting on the ground and starting to kind of like move a bit then the heavy chest moved toward the door on its own confirming that invisible force was trying to trap them in the room so peggy was in the door frame and the chest starts moving a bit she's like okay maybe it's like trying to shut the door a bit just like yeah i don't want to deal with that and then bam like this thing like heads towards the door so peggy being scared of shit, which fair enough, gathered the children downstairs where she attempted to call Vic and Patty Nottingham, their neighbors. Uh, there wasn't an answer, but the Hodgsons needed help fast. So they ran out of the house and rang the doorbell. Um, Vic Nottingham would actually go to the house to like investigate where he claims he heard 30 door knock, like door knocks, 30 knocks across the house. So he heard it from the wall beside him hear it from the ceiling and you know I I think he was pretty startled the whole atmosphere of the place um Mm -hmm. he came out and said like you need to call the cops like it's it just feels like someone's in there like I'm just feeling like someone's watching me so Peggy called the police from the Nottinghams uh to go to her rented home claiming she had witnessed furniture moving and that two of her four children said that they heard knocking sounds on the walls without any trace of who is making them. So police arrive at the home and, you know, began searching to see if maybe someone broke in, maybe it's there like, maybe like a, a raccoon or something, like just trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. While in the home, the two police constables would witness a chair wobble and slide, but they could not determine the cause of the movement. And one of the police constables would actually write... I think an act of David confirming that this is what they saw. And like, this was a legit police report. Like this was in a police report. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is huge because I mean, it's the seventies, you know, people were kind of weary of the paranormal, but like police were actually saying like, no, there's something weird in this house. Yeah. It's not just animals or the usual like water dripping pipes. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So, unfortunately, police don't really have much of an answer to provide, or they couldn't really offer any further support. I mean, there was no criminal, there was nothing that they could arrest, so they kind of were just like, well, good luck, and just left. <laughs> Bye! Bye, not a problem! Um, so the next night, Peggy contacts the Daily Mail in order to see if they would be able to find someone to help. So the Daily Mail... I don't know if it's the same Daily Mail that's, like, on our Snapchat app, <laughs> but... Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely, but it's essentially, like, a newspaper um, company that was active at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they send two reporters, Douglas Spence and f- photographer uh, Graham Morris. So I'm just going to give you a heads up. There's a lot of names in this story. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to keep up. As long as you pronounce them right. (laughs) So, the two arrived while the Hodgins were at the Nottinghams. Uh, So, the home was empty and they were investigating. So, during the investigation, of course, Douglas and Graham experienced nothing. Um, Finally, at 2.30 a.m., they let Peggy know that everything was clear for them to come back. So... When the Hodgsons came back, though, alongside with Doug and Graham still, like, they were like, okay, yeah, we'll kind of enter you in, what have you. Mm -hmm. They were welcomed by Lego and marbles being levitated and chucked at them by an unknown presence. Graham even was hit by a Lego piece in the head. Told ya, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is why you don't have Lego. Like, I, like... I was a child once, and I don't think I've ever owned Lego in my entire life because stepping on those things is awful. But now, after reading this story, it's like, I 
wouldn't want Lego chucked to the noggin. Like that. No. Just don't buy it. No. Buy it. Don't have kids. Don't buy it. I don't know. Um, anyways. <laughs> so then Greg Fallows, a senior member of the Daily Mail, then steps in on September 5th and wants to investigate himself along with photographer David Thorpe. So two more people come in to investigate and they are finding so much evidence. There's furniture moving, there's Lego throwing around, there's knocks constantly. Like there is just so much going on. So the police then contacted the Society of uh, Psychical Research, bringing in investigator Maurice Gross, which Maurice is in The Conjuring 2. Like, he is one of the main contenders of the investigation, so obviously they made sure to um, incorporate him in the film. Mm -hmm. So, and Maurice, just to kind of continue, there was one thing I did find um, in a documentary I watched. So, as I mentioned, uh, one of the daughters' name was Janet. And as we'll learn, Janet is kind of like the target of most, if not all, of the paranormal poltergeist stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Maurice had a daughter also named Janet who died in a motorcycle accident. Mm. All this went down. So like conspiracy. Doo, 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 doo. Um, yeah, it's that was kind of funky. And I like I remember hearing it in the documentary. I had to like play it back a couple times. So I was like, wait a minute. He also had a daughter named Janet. What? The daughter of someone all possessed by a Moloch? Okay. <laughs> Okay, so it took no time for Maurice to be convinced that the family home was being terrorized by paranormal activity. Uh, Early in the morning of September 8th, during investigation, members heard a loud crash from a bedroom upstairs. When they approached the bedroom where uh, Janet and Margaret were actually sleeping, they found a chair that had been chucked across the room approximately a meter and flipped upside down. So this... This just kind of shows that this poltergeist was so powerful that it was able to make sure that people, like, that only certain people could hear it. Mm-hmm. Which blows my mind. I'm like, how, how, how? Sneaky. Oh, I don't understand. But, um, so at this point in time, obviously people are coming in and out. Like, people are interviewing the crap out of this family because it's it's big news, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's the 70s, you know, they, the paranormal world was still being heavily researched. People were calling it phony, X, Y, Z, but a lot of people wanted to see what was going on. So another member of the Society of Psychological, Psychical research, uh, Guy Guy Playfair uh, came to the home to check it out uh, to assist Maurice. So Guy was actually about to retire or at least take a break because he had been doing a lot of paranormal research and like released a book. And he's like, yeah, it's time for me to take some time, do some TLC, chill, relax. And then Maurice or someone calls him on the phone and is like, Guy this place is so haunted. Like, you have to come. We think there's a poltergeist, X, Y, Z. And he's like, oh, fine. I'll I was so close. Close. I'll cancel my Manny Petty and I guess I'll go. Which I'd be pissed. Like, if I was doing that much work or doing any work and I planned a vacation and someone was like, mm, you know what? No, like, you got to come and check out this spooky shit. Mm hmm. No, You're like, I'm be- done. No. <laughs> Rain check. Um, anyway, so during this time, the family sought out some refuge at Peggy's brother's home um, at around the 25th of September. So on this date, Peggers, Pe- Peggers, <laughs> sorry, Peggy, um, Peggy's sister-in-law, Sylvia, was making a cup of tea when a piece, like a piece of child's, or of child's, uh, Sorry, a piece of a kid's toy. Sorry. That was was the hardest thing to piece together. But okay, so picture this. Sylvia was making a cup of tea when a piece from a kid's toy appeared in front of her face. So she's like stirring in the milk or cream or whatever and the sugar. And she looks up and there's just like a toy levitating in front of her face. It's just like a doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Okay. Um, Before dropping on the counter. So it was loving chain, then as soon as she kind of, like, noticed it, boom, on the counter. 
Um, this was when the Hodgson family realized that the poltergeist was able to follow the family out of the home. And essentially, this, yeah. And this just kind of goes back to the whole fact that the, that poltergeists feed off people. not Like, they're more attached to people than locations. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter where the Hodgsons went. Don't follow them. Exactly. So, into October, uh, of course, more reporters came and gathered more information, including knocking, um, as well as just overall different further, like, furniture moving, just different weird things like lights going on and off. Um, Mm -hmm. At one point, they were actually finding, like, random puddles of water, which was weird. Oh. Yeah. So you pissing? No. (laughs) (laughs) Random puddles of water. Like, it's just so weird. Um, and that's where my mind went. She's like, so, like, did someone have an accident? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, but by the end of October, the family were preparing to go on a week-long vacation, which they definitely needed. Uh, during the time away, the poltergeist decided it was their time to even shine more. Uh, so this led to the famous recording of Maurice having the ghost recorder responding to his questions by knocking. So at first, Maurice would be like, oh, what's five plus five? And then he'd hear ten knocks. Um, Mm. Eventually, he got the poltergeist to knock once for no and twice for yes. So he's asking questions like, oh, did you die here? There was two knocks. Um, You know, are you an evil spirit? I think there was two knocks at that point, too. Um, So but after answering some of the questions... And perhaps being a little bit saucy, the poltergeist was like, I'm not going to answer the questions how you want them to. So all of a sudden, the poltergeist starts knocking in three sets of threes. So mm-hmm. just be like, and that would be it. Which, if you are a paranormal fanatic, you know that sometimes spirits, malevolent ones at least, or demons, will knock three times as kind of like a fu to the holy trinity if that mm-hmm. makes sense because the holy trinity or the holy number is three whereas the number of the devil is six and that mm-hmm. is all i'm gonna say about that um, <laughs> so probably annoyed at this point marie said asked if the spirit was parent playing around with him he's like dude are you fucking with me like why are you doing this which this led to him being hit in the face with a cardboard full of cushions uh, approximately two feet away so Maurice calls this poltergeist out and was like hey are you just fucking with me and the poltergeist is like you know what I'm not gonna knock twice for yes I'm just gonna chuck this cardboard box full of cushions straight to the head from two and give you an answer (laughs) give you an answer Oh, God. So, on Saturday, November 12th, at approximately 5 a.m., Janet was tipped out of her bed while sleeping. So, literally, her bed levitated, just started levitating forward, and she was just, like, plopped out. Like, just, out. Um, and the mattress fell on top of her, which is just really sad. Like, could you imagine you're just passed right out, and then all of a sudden you kind of feel, like, this sensation of movement, and then you just wake up, and you're like, oh, okay, and then, bam, mattress. Uh, Peggy awoke and decided to try and make contact with the poltergeist and you know fair enough she probably was upset in which she placed pens and paper around the house and called out to the spirit saying leave a message or you know tell me what you want Um, the message was received uh, and what was left was a note on the fridge that said I will stay in the house do not read this to anyone or I will retaliate Okay, then. That's a pretty clear fucking message, if you got, if you ask me. Like, Leave my no and don't fuck with me, bitch. <laughs> pretty much. So, fast forward to November 26, um, when Peggy's brother went to go check in on Janet and Margaret. Finding, finding Janet not in her bed, and obviously probably a bit concerned, he starts looking around the room and finds Janet in, like, this weird makeshift, like position on top of her radio in kind of like a weird corner so she was laying like sleeping pat like passed right out sleeping on top of the radio which was on top of a dresser Mm -hmm. which 
this is kind of strange because apparently earlier that day, Janet received 10 milligrams of Valium by doctors uh, due to experiencing some kind of weird violent seizure. So she was out cold. Like and that's she, not a dresser. And then she was just like chilling. Like, I wish there was like a video to like show people or maybe I'll find a picture and post on Instagram. But like she was literally just like legs half in the air, just passed right out on top of her. Like trying to trying to almost spin in your head, but quite not get there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, two nights after this, Maurice found Janet asleep under her bed twice. And later on, uh, Janet, along with her mattress, were thrown to the floor. So this happened again where she was just chucked from her bed or was just found underneath her bed. Um, she was also flown off the bed another time. Um, but approximately this time, it was four meters away from the bed. So typically when she was kind of like chucked off the bed, it wasn't too, too far away. Mm-hmm. But then things escalated another night and she was like thrown, like just like chucked across the room. Yeah, just whoop, right across the room. My bad bitch. Pretty much. So a Brazilian psychic came into the home, performed a trans trance-like drawings during uh, his time in the home. Um, so essentially he would close his eyes and go into a psychic trance where he would try and communicate with the spirits that were there. This is where things get kind of mucky. So apparently Janet really, really was interested in this. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of, you know, paying very close attention, which soon after, like legit next day, she begins to produce a series of nine drawings herself, um, all disturb, all super disturbing, uh, featuring blood, death, and knives, um, and Great. like, yeah. Um, the tricky part is that essentially, well, not the tricky, but the funny thing is that Janet was making these pictures in a similar fashion as the psychic was, but claimed she had no memory of making the artwork afterwards. So it wasn't really her. Yeah, and you'll kind of pick up on it, but there's a lot of criticism about this story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, okay, but is it real or is it actually fake? Or, you know, is this is this just straight bullshit? Um, so that wasn't really... That wasn't a good luck for Janet. We'll just put it that way. Um, But at this time, things did start ramping up a notch when Janet was pulled from her bed and dragged downstairs uh, to the point where Maurice actually claims he saw Janet sliding down the stairs headfirst, still asleep. Which... It's getting real. Yeah. Based on this and with the investigation uh, investigation team growing, because there's people coming in and out and people just want proof, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to actually communicate directly to the poltergeist. Like, they wanted to actually hear hear from this poltergeist. Instead of knocking, they wanted to, they wanted to hear something, right? And they're going to uh, get something. Exactly. So at first they noticed that Janet uh, would start whistling or making dog-like barks when they would begin challenging the poltergeist. So let's just hypothetically say Maurice be like, you know, tell me, tell us who you are, blah, blah, blah. And Janet would just sit there and be like, burp, burp, burp. I'm sure it was a lot more creepier, but like, it, yes. it was, it was kind of weird. But it, it didn't take long for a deep male voice to come through Janet. So the man's voice appeared to sound like an elderly man, not the voice of a preteen girl. Because I think Janet this time was like 11, 11 or 12. Uh, the man's voice appeared to sound uh, very, I don't know how to put it without being offensive, but like <laughs> haggard. Very raspy and... Very raspy, yes. Raspy and just... Uh, I don't know. Just... Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're picking up what Blaine do? Because that's... that's about as I'll pick it up what you're dropping. Awesome. So, Janet would describe later on that it felt like someone was standing behind her making her speak when they were, you know, speaking through her. Mm-hmm. Um... The team had done their research and felt that even if Janet was faking it, she would ruin her vocal cords and would leave her with ter- like with a terrible sore throat, which she was fine when the voice wasn't coming through. 
When Janet was speaking on behalf of this man, the voice identified himself as Joe Watson. However, following this, another voice came through as well. A speech therapist was even brought in, but was so freaked out that she refused to be interviewed or provide further assistance, which we have a friend who's a speech therapist, Jamie, who I can just imagine, like, I just picture Jamie coming in and everything's fine. She's like, okay, so we're going to do this exercise. And then all of a sudden this little girl turns around. She's like, Hey, (laughs) and Jamie's like, I am out. (laughs) I do not get paid enough or have enough wine to forget about this. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, So after this identity of Joe Watson was kind of no longer, I don't want to say no longer popular, but he essentially just stops talking. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we hear from a man or identity named William Bill Wilkins, uh, which also had a very raspy, kind of older sounding voice. Um, And actually, this is the one that they focus more so on in The Conjuring 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Through questioning, it was shared that Bill had died in the home in a chair still remaining in the home of a brain hemorrhage. So that is what they still carried in the movie. Cause that is like to, like, I'm still picturing the scene from the conjuring too. Yeah. Like Janet and like the, that to a T that all sounds the same. The rest of it's kind of like iffy. Exactly. Well, and we'll get to it. So just when you think shit can't get any wilder on December 15th, investigator David Robertson uh, was outside the girl's bedroom on with automatic cameras Um uh, with automatic cameras set up in the bedroom. Apparently, Janet had went to bed with a cushion on top of her to try to keep her from levitating because that was a problem. They're like, you know what would solve this? A cushion. A cushion's going to keep you down. A cushion's going to keep you down. <laughs> are, you tired okay. of, are you tired of levitating? We've got the perfect solution for you. Use a cushion. It will solve all your problems. Not. <laughs> cushion a day keeps you from levitating away. Away. <laughs> If we ever make merch, that's going to go on a shirt, which I doubt we will, but I kind of want it now really badly. Anyway, um, so David's outside the girl's bedroom when all of a sudden, apparently books and pillows started moving around from the room and the cushion that was on Janet ended up on top of the roof. No. Which even, like, they tried to do an experiment after where they took the cushion, like, try to throw it out the window. The way it was found, there's no, there's absolutely no way she could have thrown it up there. Like, no way. So. Okay. Okay, okay. Um, so a local lady, Hazel Short by the name, uh, says that uh, she actually saw Janet levitating, 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 levitating. <laughs> inside of her bedroom window while Hazel was walking nearby. She claimed that Janet was going up and down as though someone was just tossing her um, in a horizontal position, almost as if someone had had a hold on her legs and back and throwing her just constantly up and down, up and down. Hmm. Uh, And apparently Hazel wasn't the only one who saw this. A man by the name of John Rainbow Mm-hmm. She's the coolest last name. Um, apparently also saw Janet floating around her room from walking by the home. So now we have people that aren't even inside the house. Seeing stuff. Seeing stuff. And poor David. I think he was just outside the bedroom trying to set things up. And all of a sudden, these people are like, what's going on up there? Oh, my gosh. There's a girl levitating. Oh, and he's like, oh, damn it. I'm missing all of it. <laughs> Just hold on a minute, hold a race. <laughs> yeah. Can you stop for a second? I need to pull up my phone so I can get a Snapchat story. God, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so between December 17th and 19th, Matthew Manning, another name to remember, um, a British author and healer, along with Milburn Christopher, who is an American magician and paranormal researcher, both made visit to the Hodgson home. Um, So Matthew apparently used his psychic abilities and had a long discussion with Bill. However, the tape recorder that the convo was, you know, recorded on mysteriously Mm -hmm. went missing. 
to then be found later upstairs in Janet's bedroom. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. So Milburn, um, kind of being a little bit more skeptical, uh, kind of came into the home and showed the kids magic tricks. Like, I think he was just more brought in to kind of do his own investigation, but to also maybe help the kids out. Because, like, I, I can't imagine what it'd be like growing up in a home where there's a fucking poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And you've got some people coming in and out all the oh, time. Uh, just, like, you know. trying to get their fame. And the family wasn't very well off. Um, and I didn't really mention it earlier, but, the like, the kids were bullied a lot because, like, Peggy was a single mom. And once again, it was the 70s. And there's a lot of stigma around single parents. Um, mm-hmm. And just overall, like, they weren't, they didn't have a lot of money. So I think that was also kind of a bullying point for them, unfortunately. So, like, they were, they were having a rough go at it. Um, but... Later in the evening, so after Milburn was brought in, he showed the kids the magic tricks. Um, the kids were apparently supposed to be in bed when Milburn caught Janet peering at the top of the stairs, observing the adults, which he automatically just chopped up and was like, she's planning a stunt. This whole thing is a hoax and left and like kind of bashed the whole the thing. Whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Which like, it's kind of hard because like if she's just peering around the stairs, maybe she's just bored and like wanting to see who is there so she could go to the kitchen and get an Oreo. Like, why are you going to think she's pulling shit? I don't know. It's just... Anyway, so just two days shy of Christmas, the family's uh, two goldfish had been found dead. Da, 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 da. I know. When communicating with Bill through Janet, Bill disclosed that he did it. Literally, he said, I done that. Um, adding he killed the fish through, quote unquote... Spirit energy. Oh, okay. Which, anytime anything bad now happens to my life, I'm just going to say it's spirit energy. The spirit energy. Um, I did nothing. I did nothing. Uh, To prove a point, at this point, Maurice filled Janet's mouth with water and taped it shut, uh, forcing Janet, or rather Bill, to say difficult words. Because essentially they're just trying to prove if Janet is just making shit up. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, if she killed the goldfish, what have you. Um, at this point, apparently, uh, they could still hear Bill's voice coming through, even with Janet's mouth shut, filled with water. Like, clear as day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, fast forward, unfortunately, the goldfish weren't going to be the only casualties in this home. The family budgie was found dead on Christmas Day. However, Bill nor Janet didn't claim responsibility. On the same day, Janet would be found sitting near the living room window where a curtain somehow wrapped itself around her neck, which this would happen a total of eight times during the entire case. They want her dead. They want her dead. They want everything dead at this point. Because they're, I think the poltergeist was kind of getting annoyed that it was being questioned so much. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Janet was its target. So, yeah. So, fast forward to Peggy's birthday on January 15th, 1978. Um, Margaret, the eldest, walked into a bathroom to find the word shit written in, well, shit. Shit. Yep. Uh, Peggy would also see the apparition of of the bottom half of a man wearing trousers, which I was like, hmm, weird. I don't like when people, I don't like the whole notion of only seeing like half of a body like if you're gonna be an apparition just fully come through or don't come through at all do you know what i mean like don't play tricks on me yeah exactly um <clears throat> so the next day another message was found in the bathroom the message in tape this time read i am fred okay. <laughs> yeah. um guy maurice felt that this couldn't have been done by the children based on the fact that it was done with different kinds of tape and just the, like how it was written and how it was done. They felt that it would have taken the kids too long. They would probably got bored and just stopped. Near the end of January, Margaret started exhibiting the same voice as the Janet was. However, the BBC radio host, Rosalind, found that they weren't as intense as the voices coming from Janet. Uh, BBC Scotland would come in two months later and captured footage during this time in the house, which showed the poltergeist speaking through Janet. So then they had it on tape. Um, Oof. Oof. So at the end of March, 
Guy consults Hans Bender, a German parapsychologist with a history of researching poltergeist, for some advice, in which Hans recommended that Maurice and Guy need, needed to consider conducting an exorcism and examine the family's psychological states further. Based on this, Maurice and Guy decided in April uh, to give some space to the family and the investigation but encouraged Peggy to track in her diary of any paranormal activity, which they did throughout the entire investigation, but they're like, okay, so now we're gone. Mm -hmm. You have to really put everything down. Yeah. So when they came back, they were literally dumbfounded to find that she had logged 155 incidences. Um, and how long were they gone? I think for um, four, um, three, three to four weeks. Okay. Maybe just for the month of April. Yeah, like a long enough time that shit could hit the fan, but that's still a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of things going on. Right? So, according to these en uh, entries, apparitions of human forms were becoming more common, along with an increase of small, spontaneous outbreaks of fire around the home. So, we don't got puddles around the home, now we just got fire popping up everywhere. So, I'm not going to stain your floor, I'm going to burn your house down. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they were just trying to get rid of ants. You never know. <laughs> or spiders. <laughs> or spiders. So this brings us to May 1978. Uh, so world-renowned paranormal researchers, Ed and Lorraine Warren, reached mm. out to Maurice, knowing that they, had, they were hoping to visit after they were following the events from uh, the U.S. So the couple would make a total of three visits to the Enfield home. When they first arrived, they interviewed the entire family, it was shortly after that. It was shortly after the Warrens first visited that it was decided that Janet needed some time away from the home and was sent to live home ran by nuns. So they're just like, you know what, Janet needs a break. Let's get her out of the home. Mm -hmm. That brings us to September. Uh, Janet returns home and right off the bat sees an apparition of a little boy in the kitchen. So just to kind of summarize, we've got moving furniture. We've got puddles of water. We've got knocking. We've got fire. fire. We've got an old man talking through Janet. Um, it's a gong show. Like, there's so much happening. And messages and poop. And, and tape. And tape, yeah. Shortly after Janet returns, a friend of Guy's comes to home in October uh, to do some kind of healing or what I'm kind of guessing is like a cleansing of sorts around the house. So apparently this friend is a Dutch medium who, when he arrived, he just kind of, like, went upstairs, did his spiel, and then came back downstairs to kind of note that, like, okay, we're done, and then left. And, like, things seem to actually calm down after this, which is... Weird. Okay, okay, we'll take it. Um, <clears throat> the Warrens would return in 1979, I believe, for their last, last visit in which they record approximately 13 hours of audio and captured things such as levitation of objects on camera. The Warrens and their crew um, also reported witnessing rocks appear from nowhere and shared they witnessed spontaneous removal of the wallpaper in the kitchen. Doing with, some renos. Just doing some renos, you know? As mentioned, Guy, since Guy's friend came by uh, the, the Dutch medium and did his cleansing of the home, most of the paranormal events had actually calmed down. There's still a couple bumps in the night, but that was then followed by a priest coming to the home in the fall of 1979 to bless the home. So Janet said after this, like after the priest came by, that the house continued to quiet down a bit, but things never really stopped while her and her family resided there. Mm -hmm. Which then brings us to the family moving out. So I believe the family moved out... I, I want to say maybe after like, a couple years down the road. Like, I think it was around, like, the mid-80s, mid-90s. Okay. Um, Janet, at this point, though, like, even as an adult, she doesn't really like talking about what happened. And she, because she can't really recall some of the parts that happened. She's like, I, I don't know what happened. I was kind of, like, in a trance-like trance state. Mm -hmm. um, but this is where we get into some... Mm -mm, some kind of, I don't think, I'm just like shaking my head because it's just like, oh, when will people learn? So Janet would confirm that her and her sister Margaret um, later like would confess to playing with, the lead, playing with a Ouija board, there we go, um, before events started taking place in the home. So they were fucking around with a Ouija board, which 
You never play with a Ouija board. I don't care who you are. You do not play with a Ouija board because that's literally just a ticket to. You never invite them into your house. No, never. it's just a ticket for people to get haunted by, you know, shit like this. Mm-hmm. They also, so Janet Margaret also confessed that they were actually a little bit of, you know, uh, faking a little bit of it. Or or as they put it, they were trying to trick people. So um, they, they claimed that they actually tried to fool Maurice and Guy with some made-up paranormal incidents. However, the, they attest that this was only happened about 2% of the time and that the other 98% of the time was real. Mm-hmm. I know. So um, their brother, Johnny, would die at the age of 14 in 1981, followed by their mother in 2004 and Maurice in 2006. So beyond the Hollywood glam events that would come out in Conjuring 2, uh, the incidents that took place would influence other movies such as the movie Poltergeist. And even the family dynamic was similar to the one of the Hodgsons. So it was the Bennetts. Uh, Claire Bennett was a single mom and she had four sons that mm-hmm. moved in. And Claire would report that she always felt as if someone was watching her and that during the night, um, her children would get woken up by voices coming from downstairs. So she then learned about the Enfield poltergeist that had supposedly haunted the home. Um, But unfortunately, the final straw came when her son, uh, Shaka, 15, woke up and saw a man enter his room. They moved out the next day after being in the house for only two months. Just do your research and not move into spooky houses. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I was listening to this one podcast, and the one podcaster was kind of like, why wouldn't Peggy move? But I think at the time, I don't think they may have had the same freedom or the same, like, financial. Yeah, it's more probably financial than anything, yeah. Yeah, and whereas I don't know about Clara, but it sounds like maybe she had the same kind of financial or she had a financial opportunity to get the hell out. I don't know. Or maybe mm-hmm. at that point, the landlord or whoever was just like, you know what? I know this place is haunted. I will let you leave out. Of your, I, I will let you break your lease. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a pass. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Um, apparently, a family does reside there now, but they refuse to talk to the press uh, due to not wanting their children to know the history of the house. Which, like, fair enough. I get it. But, like... Fair enough, but they're going to grow up, and then they're going to find out anyways. Exactly, because the internet, the internet will ruin the, everything for them. Wiki tells all. Wiki tells all. <laughs> um, so kind of going back to The Conjuring, uh, The Conjuring 2 specifically. So when it was released, the remaining Hodgson family members were a little bit pissed off about it. Because they felt that the movie portrayed that the Warrens did a lot more for the family than they actually did. Yeah, it's, like, definitely, like, all about the Warrens, which I get, like, they're big, but, like, all the pre, like, they came in for, like, what, a couple days, and all the pre-people, sounds like they were there mostly. Yeah, like, they, I think they came in for a total of three times, where they literally just kind of recorded things and did interviews, but they didn't really Mm. do much. Um, So, based on that, the movie is definitely more Hollywoodized um, than the actual story, and as you probably picked up on, the story has been kind of a subject to different critiques that a lot of it was just for money a lot of it was made up I'm when it comes to this one I'm kind of on the fence because there is some evidence that's come out of it that's like holy shit like how could you have made it up Mm -hmm. but then there's some like there's a photo of Janet who apparently is being like thrown out of her bed but to be honest, it almost kind of looks like she's just jumping out of the bed. And the fact that, like, her and her sister, Margaret, like, they like they said, like, they're admitted to those, like, few instances or, like, brought up things on with the Ouija board. Like, there's those few things. Like, sure, some things seems impossible, but then there's times where it looks like they could have done something. Exactly. So it's, believe it or not, you know, you do you, but it's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have. <laughs> Um, before we sign off, though, um, so the resources for this story include Wikipedia, because, like, Wikipedia is all. (laughs) Wiki tells all. Um, the Scared to Death podcast by Dan Cummins, um, History versus Hollywood website, The Conjuring 2, 
BBC documentary, The Enfield Poltergeist. Higgy Pop, uh, which is just fun to say, Higgy Pop, um, website article, after 40 years, Dan Philip Poltergeist is still Britain's best ghost story, which was uh, released on August uh, August 3rd, 2017. And finally, The Bustle Arica by Nina Khan, um, dated October 18th, 2018, titled The Difference Between Ghosts, Poltergeists, and Demons that will clarify which supernatural entities you should be terrified of, which... Probably all of them. Like, I'm not going to lie. You can pick and choose. It's whatever. <laughs> all right. Christy, can you tell the good people that are still listening for some god-awful reason where they can find us on social media and how they can tell, give us feedback and uh, put in story requests? Yes. Thank you guys for listening. And hopefully you can find us on our different platforms. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast and Pocket Casts. Uh, if you just want to reach out and give some feedback or tell us how we're doing or you want to hear a specific story, feel free to email us at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Feel free to tweet, Twitter, tweet us on Twitter <laughs> at weirddistractI, number one. That is weirddistractI1. Or hit us up on our Insta page, which is also at weirddistractionspod. The tweeter. The tweeter. <laughs> tweet, tweet our tweeter. <laughs> Tweet our tweeter. That sounds sexual. Don't do that. Um, all right. So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, next episode will be back to true crime. As you kind of picked up on, we're going to be rotating true crime, conspiracy, paranormal. We'll see how long that goes. Um, and we, as Christy mentioned, we appreciate any feedback or specific story requests. Um there's a lot out there, but, you know, if you want to hear something sooner rather than later, shoot us an email. Let us know. And I think that's it. Other than, you know, you can always find distraction in the busiest of times if one simply looks for the weird. All right. Thanks, guys. Ah. <laughs> uh... Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media.